You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Place Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. Yada, yada. And I was just like, I was laughing because it was just like, you know, bro, like, you know, God, God always got a plan. In that moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. The Egyptian creation story is a very sexual one. Mm -hmm. And it talks of the god creating himself through a sexual act with himself. So it's a masturbatory big bang like I never even hire coaches when I establish a program. I always hire mentors first. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because a mentor gets the big picture. Coach might just get basketball. I want somebody that under X's and I want somebody that's about whole life. I'm not the only podcaster out there. You're not the only marketer out there. Like there's a lot of people doing the same things. But the things that's going to separate you and I from the rest of the people is that we become our best selves and we just don't quit. So what is the gospel? What is the pure, unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by, because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate. For sure. Is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. What up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the building, whipping it up, and I got my brother from another. He's back like he never left. He's back like a chiropractor off vacation. It's my guy, Oba. <laughs> Say what's up, bro. What's up, people? What's up, people? I appreciate that. Man, that's that's a, that's beautiful. I'm back like the chiropractor. I'm thinking that. I'm thinking that. That's a bar somewhere, man. Hey. Uh, definitely happy to be back on the on the on the podcast bicycle, especially with a brother that have been that has really you know helped guide me through this. Uh, somebody that has been um, opening your doors and your platform for me to not only get my my ideas off and and uh, and and talk with you and 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 converse and argue, but also to really get my bearings under me and to get into this into this space that you've been really uh, consistent with. So kudos to you, and uh, I'm definitely happy to be back. I just want to do a quick shout out, uh, Small Chops Podcast. Uh, we release every Sunday, uh, besides this episode, because I think we're going we're gonna to chop this up a little bit and, and put it out just as a freebie real soon. But uh, every Sunday, check, out, check us out starting this Sunday. And uh, yeah, man, it's happy to be here. No doubt, bro. No doubt, man. It's good to have you back. It's been a minute. We've got a lot of catching up to do. Lots. So, man, bro, let's, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, now, we, we are going to be uh, reviewing... The Kanye Joe Rogan interview. We're picking up from where we left off. So that was episode one fifty seven. This will be episode one seventy three. So it's been a good gap, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's cool that we pick up at this time because, mm-hmm. you know, 
time is like the great test of people's words and wisdom. And so whatever somebody says in a moment is kind of cool. And all right, we can argue about it, but what has changed, what has taken place, what has transpired and what, what light has been shed on the thoughts that he's given, you know, because of course with Kanye, he's been, there's been a lot of labels put on him and there's been a lot of perceptions about him that have been negative but he's starting to win the people back and it's kind of amazing to see how it's going down, but he's, he's winning people back and people are kind of forgetting about the so-called antics that he's, you know, Come been on, surrounded now, by. So. I don't think so. I, I definitely know media is not going to let people forget. And I don't think people, I know, but I, I guess I would say black folks, like we are forgiving. There's, there's some white folks that's like, ah, you know, Kanye's canceled, but we like, nah, that's you, you are a guy. If you give us good music, you know what I mean? Like we ain't really, all right, I want to dive in deeper because I know it's more than music, man. Again, I think that yeah. I've said this on your platform before that he is the only quote unquote superstar, megastar, whatever you a public figure that makes open mistakes. That is that I can I can say is honest with what he feels and what he believes whenever I hear him speak, whatever mm. platform it is. And I think that mm. that is part of being human. And we are putting these public figures in spaces where we expect them to be, or we're, we're trained to think that they are one way or the other, but I think Kanye is showing us human humanity. I think Kanye is showing us why he deserves to be the richest black man in, in, in American history. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I think that there are certain moves, there are certain mindsets, there are certain ways of looking at, especially him over this last year, listening to what he said on this podcast when he was in the presidential election race, um, seeing what he's doing with Donda, the album. I think so much of this is related to just another level of people would just kind of give them, I don't know, give them the benefit of the doubt or, 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 or raise, their, raise their thinking about what a billionaire is doing, especially somebody that's in these spaces, you know, somebody that I can't wait for us to get to this conversation because like this man names as his friends some beautiful people that you've probably never heard of, you know, some people mm -hmm. that are in this circle are incredible people, visionaries in their own topics, in their own rights, and they have this guy as a friend. They, they call this guy a friend. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, people trusting media just never never gets old. Yeah, and then there's there's that so that's part. Too, my cape. That's my cape. I don't know if you know. I don't know if that was obvious or not, but that was, that's definitely my cape for for Ye. Don't yeah. Yeah, no worries, man. It's it's all good. However you feel is how you feel, man. And it's it's amazing how, um, how he talks about those friendships, but also how he's raw and honest about yes, how those so called friends are kind of like putting a label on them and putting them in the yes, box, sir. Yes, sir. you know, so, but he's uh, still calling them friends. And that's one thing that I'm learning as I get older is that you, if, and someone told me this in college, she said, if you expect everyone to be the kind of friend that you are to them, you can be a very lonely person. Mm. And if you, if you take people for who they are and if they like you, just like people say, let people love you, you know, let people like you too. If somebody likes you and they have parts of their personality that can help you grow and develop, or at least teach you patience, yeah, like there's no reason to befriend those people. You don't have to know your deepest, darkest, and they don't have to be invited to the cookouts. But they are mm -hmm. definitely still people that you can exchange intellectual banter with. They're people that you can um, receive good text messages, good, you know, just exchange good juju with. And uh, I think that it's a both and. Thank you for reminding me of that aspect. Like these are friends, but, you know, industry friends, quote unquote. So, mm. um, but still useful. Charlemagne says something. If you're not, if somebody can't use you, you're useless. And I think mm. that's something mm -hmm. to be regarded. Like, yeah, be useful. Be useful to somebody. So. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I've been, I've been reading lately. Um, I'm, I'm about three-fourths of the way through it. 
but I've been reading the fifth agreement. So I never read. Have you ever read like the four agreements or anything like that? Don Miguel Ruiz, man. I, I live yeah. by at least two of those agreements. I live by one particularly, uh, which I think is the second agreement. Be particular with your words. Oh, be uh, impeccable with your word. Yeah, that's the first one. That's yeah. the first one. Be yeah. impeccable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. I, I, I have, I've really been a proponent of that one. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the easiest for me because I already, I've already taken an interest in really trying to be impeccable with my word. But I think uh, in relationships, in business, whatever, whatever we're, you know, engaging in that, that impeccability is so useful in reducing mm -hmm. stress, fear, and worry and really mm -hmm. enhancing confidence and trust when we're impeccable with our words. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And then, you know, what you were saying about his friends, even though they're kind of putting them in a box and labeling him and just kind of speaking in a way that's like, yo, you might want to check what you're saying. <laughs> um, that's like the second agreement. Don't take anything personally mm -hmm. because people are, people are speaking from their own point of view, their own frame of reference. And also like what it talks about in the fifth agreement, it just talks about how everybody, everyone's world, everyone's mind is their own virtual reality. And everybody is looking at the movie of their life. And every person that they interact with is like the character looks different to them. If you were to sit behind them at their movie theater and watch their movie, the characters are going to look different. Um, even if you got similar characters in your own, you know, in your own movie, like, you know, the same people, same family members, same friends. But the way it's playing out in that person's mind in their movie is playing out totally different in your movie. So that's based why we're like, past, you can't based off their perspective, based off what their diet is, social media and otherwise. Right. It's all really of that. There, all of that. So I, all I totally of that, agree. Bro. that same character. There's a there was oh, a really old meme where it shows like a, a small camera and or like a like an old school camera and it's shining a light through the television and the television shows um, one man attempting to stab another. But in reality, it was actually one man running away from somebody else. Like, it was a guy's shoe. And it just talks about how perspective can be not only different, but also, like, manipulated, right? If somebody had the resources or the tools or the desire to um, make a certain figure, opinion, or perspective, like a bad perspective, mm -hmm. um, that manipulation is really poisonous. And I think it's really easy for people to be susceptible to that. So that is, uh, I, I love that you uh, went through the second agreement. So I, I would love to know what the third is. Oh, yeah. So the third agreement is don't make assumptions. And the fourth agreement is uh, always do your best. Don't make assumptions. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> no wonder I don't mess with the rest of the agreements. <laughs> them's, work, them's work right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Don't make assumptions. Um, yeah, yeah, don't make I'm, I'm, I'm working on that for sure. Uh, and tell me what the fifth is. Is the fifth kind of like trying to stew them all together or is there an addition to it? Oh, man, the fifth. Damn. I, um, the fifth is. Be skeptical, but always be willing to learn and don't take my word for it. But I know it's like part, the first part is be skeptical and it's like, but but like be inquisitive, like always be open, essentially. Yes. And so, yes. um. So basically, don't 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 believe anything. Don't even believe yourself because we don't we don't want to be led by knowledge, you know. Um, because knowledge and, and numbers and all that can be manipulated, right? Yeah, and not and what we know is true. Like a lot of what we know is not true. It's just our own virtual reality. So the only truth that I mean, according to their Toltec wisdom, you know, uh, thought process, 
the only truth that we have is in the moment. Like right now is true, but the past isn't true and the future isn't true. The future is something that is a possibility and the past is over with. But it talks about how we live in the past and we're like humans are the only people that can um, judge themselves and basically crucify themselves a thousand times over for something that they did years ago. But every time you think about it and you use that, you know what I mean? You you judge yourself. You feel this guilt for something that you did. Like it's over. Yeah. You keep lashing at yourself. And not to mention the memory of it. Right. Could be inaccurate from the actual history. History. Exactly. Exactly. And, really, and, and the future is nothing but our imagination. So yeah. it's like those are Kanye. Kanye says something beautiful in this interview. He says. The future, I mean, now is all we have, but it's the shortest moment. Yeah. The past is yep. the past is crazy long. The future is crazy long, but mm -hmm. those are untrustworthy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he says yep. that, but I just, those are so, you know, they can change both the past and the future can change for us based yeah. on, you know, our experience, but now can't. And just yeah. kind of and that's, here, right? That's beautiful, bro. I mean, cause that's like, it's, this is perfect time. Like this, this happened for, cause I'm reading this book and like what Kanye is saying in this interview is literally what Don Miguel Ruiz. Now, I don't know if he's been on that, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, he's saying the same thing. I like the past is the past. And that's like, it's forever, it's forever ago. And the future is just a possibility. But right now is really all that we have. So we got to so, make yeah. the most of the moment. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. yeah, and bro. So, and as, as, as useful as hope and faith is that, that, put that, I think sometimes they can be disadvantages and, and put us in a different space. Um, mm. He says you, you you drive with hope, but I don't think so. I think that you can really be, you can be energized by something without hoping it turns out a certain way. Because once you hope, that's a, that that's like a small expectation. And so I don't I don't think faith and hope that's that's future leading. That's imaginative. I think mm. very much in the now is is do and be right. Mm. Either genuinely or. Or, or change as you as you see fit but yeah uh, are, we, are we gonna do timestamps? are we gonna talk about like overall philosophy about yay uh, okay first of all before we dive into this between our first episode and now has your opinion of yay i'm sure it's matured what do you think about his personality what do you think about his current dealings with the divorce and this album release H how do you see this person well, to be honest, I don't I haven't really processed too much of him as a person. And I, I feel like the last time we talked, like after I had watched this episode and or watched watched this. Yeah, this episode with Joe Rogan and I had watched the Cannons class interview that he did with Nick. Oh, so um, oh man, that was great, bro. <laughs> that was great. So, I mean, ever since then, I've, I've been like on a positive note with Kanye and, and even throughout all the shenanigans with Trump and all that, I've always felt like Kanye was going to win. Like I always felt like he was way smarter than he was letting on. I didn't like that. He, I, I mean, I, I respect his intelligence. This, I mean, he's, he's, he's brilliant. And so I've always known that, yo, Kanye is playing a game and he's going to win but damn, he's making himself look like an ass in the process. <laughs> but he knows every he knows what he's doing. All you right talking about, oh, he's mentally ill. Oh, he's like, nah, Kanye knows what he's doing. And even if he might have been off or he might have been not taking some medication, Kanye knows exactly what he's doing. He always has these, you know, um, these outbursts 
when he happens to be rolling out a product. So it's not it's not like it's just some random. He's out of control. No, he's doing this. He's sharing it. He's tweeting. He's out on the road doing whatever because he got a product coming out and he's building his business and he's talking to Trump so he can get tax breaks so he can get out of debt and he can build up his wealth. Like he's doing stuff on purpose. Now he looked crazy, you know, hugging Trump and saying that's tiger energy and that's my brother or whatever, but like, it is what it is. I mean, teach his own, I guess. But at the end of the day, I've always respected Kanye's brilliance. I just don't like the way that he made himself look, but you know, I guess the ends justify the means who am I to judge. And now with, with all that stuff with him and Kim, I haven't, I really don't know any details about their divorce. I just know that they're divorced. Yeah, but I don't know. Anything. Don't, I'll it, say the same. I don't know much about it, but just that that is something yeah. that him as a Christian, you know, um, tell me, tell me more about that. That thought process I, of him. I, I, I'm just thinking of him as a especially listening to this interview, him really taking Christianity seriously. Him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like he was using it. It seems like he was attaching himself to something that was greater than him, because in that interview, again, he says, you know, if you don't fear God, it's really easy for there's so for so many fears to, to take that place. They're so mm. It's so easy for the fear of so much. But once you fear God, like that's it. Like, you only fear God. You know what I mean? You don't fear mm. nothing else. And the way his voice mm. even changed was, real, was wild yeah. about that. But I, I, I don't know anything beyond the fact that I imagine him to be a very... I think I, I would think he would take Christianity seriously or divorce seriously especially because of how enthused he was about the family that he created and listening to the song about that. It was like, he knows the cost of not having the father in the house for whatever reason, but, and that may or may not have factored into the, into how he was living his life. You know, and one of the songs he talks about, like, what are you doing rolling around in your forties with, uh, you know, with, with, with whatever on your arm, you know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. these are all things to really consider. And this is a person evolving, but man, it just sucks that. I mean, I guess it was, I, as, I, as I understand it, when Kanye married Kim, he was $50 million in the hole. So. <laughs> um, so, so her alimony looking right. Is that, is that what you're saying? I mean, I mean, no, hers, I don't think, like, I would imagine, I don't even know what. what oh, wait, is would he? No, it's it's about he where you're at debt. when you when you divorce. And he was $50 million in debt. At the time I, of their marriage. But you're saying, oh, at the time of divorce. Yeah, at the time of divorce, that's how they calculate who owes who. If they got the courts involved, I don't know if they kind of right. even would need. I don't, they, it don't seem like they would need to do that, like. You got so much money, like you don't need to, you don't need to do all that. Yeah, and Kim, Kim, and he, Kim is the courts. Like she, you know, she got her little criminal justice way. Like she, that's true. That's true. You know, she don't, she don't need them. Yeah, she don't need them. So, yeah, bro. I mean, but you know, uh, the whole divorce thing. I mean, it, shit happens, bro. Yeah, right. Shit happens. I so mean, does that change? Do you do you teach your okay? Do you teach your children differently? What would you teach them differently about how you were taught about marriage? Man, you're going deep, deep. I mean, <laughs> I, oh my God. Uh, Come on now. We here. We are here. We, we here, bro. This is how we get down. Um, yes, 
man, how do I teach them? Man, because oh, you, you, have a, you have boys, you have both genders. You know what I mean? You have yeah. two genders. You have, you, you're going to teach her. I, I don't, I, yeah. How does that even, how do you navigate that? Um, you know, I, I haven't thought about it because of their Good. age, but, okay. but, okay. you know, my son is 12 and he's starting to, you know, talk to yeah. girls and whatnot, you know, right? to, yeah, man. He's starting to call the house. They call in the house phone. Calling the house phone, damn, bro. I don't, I don't got to go through that era, you know. I just gotta, <laughs> I just gotta monitor the iPhone, man. But, oh, man, uh, man. damn, calling the house phone—that was crazy. That was so risky. That was man, so. My risky, mother was bro. one of those land. My mother was like the minesweeper. You know, minesweeper. Whenever you land on <laughs> yeah. the bomb, all the other yeah. bombs. My mother was that bomb, yeah. Like you do not. <laughs> as soon as they pick up the phone, they're like, damn it. Oh. <laughs> some of them tried to brave it through, but some of them just hung up. That's funny, man. Um, so what would I teach them about marriage? I would yeah. I would teach them that um marriage differently, like I I wouldn't tell them that marriage is this one and done, end all be all type thing. Because um and I and I wouldn't teach them that marriage is about like just the romanticized version that we get, like that Hollywood, like boy meets girl, you fall in love and, you know, there's just oh, the butterflies and, oh, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. It's like, nah, you want to be married with somebody that you are like extremely compatible with as far as living, as far as how you want to raise your children um, and just certain goals, like you and that person that you enter into that contract with, Y'all got to have, you know, intersecting goals. And that's and that's kind of like, I mean, I mean, honestly, that's that's the spirit of like, don't be unequally yoked that it says in the Bible. Like y'all, y'all need to be on the same page and you need to talk about it in depth and you need to know what you want from the marriage before you enter into it. Because there's a whole lot of, that comes with it, a whole lot of responsibility, a whole lot of wants and needs. And you just got to be uh, you got to be aware of that, yo, depending on how old you are, when you get married, there's going to be a lot of changes in yourself and in that person. And then once you have children, it's going to change the dynamic of your relationship. So you got to know what you're in it for. What do you all want? And be OK, like, yo, this shit ain't working out. You know, you're not trapped. But do you do you want it? Are you are you OK with divorcing? Like, is that something that's on the menu for you? Is it is it something that's on the menu for her and or or him or whoever's whoever I'm talking to and like have those conversations and just have that common understanding as much as possible? Because but at the end of the day, marriage is a 50 50 shot, whether you're a Christian or not. So, you know, it's either it's going to work out or it's not. And. If you want to make it work, then you will make it work. If you don't, then you split up and you surrender the outcome of maybe having kids in separate households, whatever the case might be. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would tell them. I wouldn't tell them like, oh, you got to get married. Um, you know, I wouldn't say no sex before marriage. Cause I'm not, I'm not delusional. You know what I mean? Like, of course that's ideal, but come on, man. Like, you know, it is what it is, but don't, I would say, don't get, don't rush into marriage. And don't get married before the age of like 30, <laughs> to be honest, because you don't really know who you are. So like you have a better chance of staying married, I feel like, um, and just having a more realistic 
more realistic expectations of what you want out of a marriage when you actually know what you want from yourself because you just don't Versus know who growing you are. with somebody and allowing that person to grow and become who they are and you grow and becoming who you are and kind of be each other's anchor through those those periods you would say the capstone style of relationship building where you develop into your person and then you find a mate versus the cornerstone type of relationship where you and that person agree that, hey, this is going to be the basis of our lives. And then we grow from there. You would say that the capstone is something that you would encourage. We're talking about your son right now because he's 12, but that would be yeah. something where you would encourage him to to wait. Versus yeah, I would definitely encourage him to wait. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure, man. Wait, bro. Like, wait. Um, know exactly what you want. And then especially with her. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you want to wait, bro. Like these these girls out here, like these days, you know what I mean? With all due respect, this, this new generation, this uh Meg the Stallion, Doja Cat, Cardi B generation, like, bro, you want to wait. Let them get all of that stuff out because they want to go to Miami. They want to do the hot girl summer. They want to do it. Like, bro, you want to deal with that right now? Like, you want to try to tame a wild, you know what I mean, stallion right now? Like about that all the time. Like, being in our twenties, you know how broke we were in our twenties, and just seeing that when you're in your twenties as a woman, every age group is looking at you when it comes to guys. Yep, yep. Every age group will be looking. You know what I'm saying? Like that never changes yeah. for them. So to yep. try to yeah to try to develop a relationship oh, in the city in any city. Ooh, Come on, man. It's not Especially real. It's not real. It that's real. Yeah, with the internet and all the swipage and that. I mean, I don't really know. I'm just vicariously. You know, y'all. You know, yeah. The, so the single answer, homies tell me what it's like, but I'm like, man, man, you gotta, you, it's kind of hard to find something real. It seems it like is, it's very difficult doing it through modern techniques. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I love about learning what used to happen is that a lot of that still stands. Mm -hmm. So, versus swiping or matching with somebody on OkCupid, finding what you like to do, whether it's cycling or singing or you know one mic or you know what i mean like whatever it is and then you will find somebody that also likes what you like and that's yeah. a great basis for a relationship definitely definitely you know? yep. so that's a so let me ask you this and this is something i've been wondering would you would you still encourage him to think of marriage or consider marriage forever uh you get what i'm asking am i saying that correctly well go ahead and like rephrase once, once he gets married do are, are you teaching him to think of marriage as look once you do it you aim to make it forever yeah nah. versus no nope. hey you know what do it until you can't anymore no i just for one marriage just the the model of marriage that we have right now it's just it's not realistic bro so I wouldn't. I would. Is it because it's, of like the romance or the love? Like we're trying to build yeah, it just, all love. Just the, the the forever part. Like God damn, forever. Yeah. Like shit. Like nigga, I was. Yeah, bro. Like forever. Like you ain't nothing forever, bro. Like just just imagine if when you went to college and whatever you majored in, that like you had to commit to that forever, so that when you get out of college, you can only work in that field. Forever. Think about what you majored in versus what you're interested in now. Great analogy. 
but but you but you committed because you, you they were like all right well this this you got you got to pick one so you got four years and then once you graduate then that's it you're you're committed to that like yeah man i love biomechanics or whatever the hell and then by the time you 30 you're like damn i hate this bro or maybe when you're 25 and you're working in the field like man this is boring as i don't even like the people i work with like, i don't like the culture you know what i mean but like just imagine you made a commitment to something in college and then you were stuck and you had to be in that vocation forever nobody does that there's nothing in this world where people can stick to it forever well i'm I'm not saying like there nobody but i'm just saying it's rare percentage yeah that small percentage shouldn't be what policy you know what i mean like the social it's rare bro it's it's rare bro so i so i feel like with with marriage or any relationship like man like what friends i mean you hard pressed to have the same friends from childhood let alone you know what i mean you get married out on something with that with what with with not having like childhood friends or people that you've gone to school with since kindergarten like no, I, I wouldn't. You'll never forget. Yeah, not not necessarily because because life changes and you change, and as you change, you know the type of people that you interact with change, and you grow apart from your childhood friends. Like like my my best best friend, like from childhood, like we are not the same. But that's my brother. But like we're we just don't we don't kick it because we're just we're t- we're so different, bro. So but that, that, but but I but I love him like to the core of my being. Like if anything he need, like bro, anytime we connect, is that's my brother. But I just don't. We don't really kick it like that, bro. I get that. How you about know? family? Could that same be? Could that same? Uh, now family, family is forever. Family? family is forever. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't care what my family do to me or say to me or whatever the case might be. Like family is family. Like that is. You know, blood blood is blood. The DNA is is the DNA. So but that's still um, a deliberate mental choice for you to not treat your friends or your brothers like you would treat your family. Even though that's DNA, you're still making a deliberate choice to treat them differently. Treat my family differently or my friends differently? But your family different from your friends? Well, because family is different. To me, I mean, it's it's a biological connection. It's ancestry. It's you know, it's is deeper than, and we're we're connected whether we like it or not. So that's something that you can't divorce yourself from family. Like you are connected. My cousin is my cousin, whether I want to acknowledge my cousin. You know what I mean? So will you? So, st- I guess what I'm asking for is the tolerance. Is a level of tolerance different? Like your cousin is your cousin. You'll never be divorced from your cousin. They are part of you. They are linked to you. But mm-hmm. if you get along with your homeboy more than you get along with your cousin and you don't necessarily kick it with your homeboy, do you feel obligated to to kick it with your cousin less? Or do you feel obligated to maintain some level of kick-wittedness and because they are family? Uh, I guess I would say maintain a level of kick-wittedness, even though, but, but you don't have to, I mean, it's just like, it's a, it's a judgment call, bro. You know, like, you don't, there's, there's no, there's no solid rule that I have as far as like having to hang out, like you hang out with who you want to hang out with as an adult, like period, you know, but, but the respect and just the connection is always there with, with blood. So 
I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of hard to like define it in concrete terms other than that's blood, you know, so. That's so interesting because you and I are uh, like, I love finding the ways our lives deviate, but also like reflect would be reflecting that like your right hand is my left hand. My left hand is, you know what I mean? Like your right hand. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that our lives are different, but I mean, are the same, but it's like, we're almost exactly parallel on opposite sides of the track. So I grew mm-hmm. up without family and I grew mm-hmm. up with a little bit of family that I had in the States. Um, the relationship our parents had clouded our connection. It's not until really recently as they like go off to college and become their their own persons that we've actually been able to connect with my cousins that are here in the States. Mm-hmm. Now with my family back, back, back in Nigeria, I've gone there two times in the last 10 years. Now I try to keep in touch with them as much as I can, but I'm, you know, like keeping in touch on WhatsApp or whatever uh, electronic device that that is just like, that's work. That's that's real work. You really have to, for, mm-hmm. I really have to kind of focus on trying to, to, to give a fuck about that part of my family, but that's blood. But the friends mm-hmm. that I do have, the friends that I've had for, you know, 10 years plus, especially, but the friends that I really find connected over like, liked interests or ways that we see the world. Those are the friends that I'm, that I'm, that it, that the, the level of tolerance feels higher because mm-hmm. we because of our similar values because mm-hmm. i come from someone's family doesn't mean that i have the same values of them as they do you know yeah. especially the way we see the world could be different so for me i i find that like if i'm going to treat anybody really well it's going to be those that i have like the values similar with and then mm-hmm. the family i mean the family is there but i i don't i don't know because i don't have any connection to my roots um, so it's difficult for me to hear you. It's not difficult for me to hear it because I understand it as you come from a community, a very close knit community of not just family, but like your wife's family as well. You know, like being absorbed mm-hmm. in both those, 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 those lineages. Mm-hmm. Um, I see the value in that, but like, I haven't, I haven't lived to be able to value that way of seeing friends and family. So thank you for sharing yeah. that first and foremost. Yeah, no doubt, man. And that's and that's what I love about uh, how it breaks down in the fifth agreement. Like everybody's movie is their movie. So they're going to see things differently. And that's natural. And that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know that's what I mean? That's so, what we're here to do. Yeah, that's what exactly, we're here to enjoy. Exactly. Exactly, bro. So that's that's what it is, man. But for me, it's 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 a it's more of like a, a values thing. The way I, you know, my kids have changed my worldview. Right. And so. Now that I have children, I just think I just I just process stuff differently. So I didn't I didn't think about that. I didn't think about my family in that way, because to be honest, I'm kind of similar to you, bro. Like not necessarily um, coming from uh, a different country, but I was damn near in a different country. Like us being out here in Portland and both my parents are from Ohio. So. I, you know, we would go out there from time to time as kids, but by and large, I didn't grow up with my family. I didn't grow up with my grandparents, cousins, aunts, and uncles. And then we only had one set, like one of my dad's brothers was out in in LA eventually. And we kind of seen those cousins out in LA, uh, Brucey and Kirsten, shout out to y'all. But outside of that, bro, like we didn't, I didn't grow up with no family in Portland. 
and oh, mostly on the that, West Coast. It might as well have been a, a different country, you know? like really going from Ohio to Portland. Yeah, I mean, they, but basically what I'm what I'm getting in what I'm getting at is I didn't have my family there, <laughs> so I like I didn't grow up with aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and all of that. Like I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't know them like that. I was seeing when I was kids a few times, family reunion here, Christmas, whatever. But I I didn't know them personally, intimately. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, not until has I got that, older. Has that made you super super? Has that has that has not knowing that part of your family given you? Uh, a, a more a more uh, uh, a higher value of family due to the life you know like because it no, was rare it, really I didn't, to create those bonds it, no it, i didn't have the higher no so i was like you i was like my, my friends were my family like i made my friends my family like i would be way more loyal and spend more time and like invest more time in my friends my friend circle like high school college than i did family just because they were more accessible to be like that's really what it came down to but now that i have my own little family then that changed everything so now i'm thinking about all right um now i I have my own little family to take care of and now as we you know when we talk about generational wealth like i'm looking at the future generations like every day and so i'm like all right how can i create a a vehicle to, to really produce this generational wealth and pass it down to my kids and make sure that my grandkids and my great greats and all of them have a solid foundation to look at, you know, a solid foundation to like a model of this. This is how we do it. This is how we take care of each other because we as black folks can't talk about foundational or, or um, generational wealth. If we don't create the model and give it to the next generation. You know, a lot of people talk about generational wealth. They just want to get rich by themselves. But I'm like, nah, I'm trying to figure out how can I take care of my my children? And so that when my grand, like when my children go to school and my grandkids go to college or whatever, like they don't have to get out of get out of school and struggle and work a job that they don't want to work just because they got bills to pay because they got to pay rent. Like, I don't I don't want that for them. And if and if I don't change that. If I don't create a model for that, then they're going to be in the same position, just like I was in the same position as my parents were by the time I got out of college. Right. I, was, I was in the exact same position. So and that's no knock, but that's just the truth of, of the black American experience. Like A lot of us have been in the same position because we weren't afforded the education or just even access to the knowledge. But now we got the Internet, bro. Like we got so many things that we can do. So I got to start building. So that's why I see family differently. Um as far as like that first line of built-in solidarity, like that's it. Family is your built-in solidarity that you have. Um, even if y'all not getting along at the end of the day, your nieces and nephews is going, they, they, they might get along. So <laughs> yeah, auntie and, and uncle so-and-so may not be on the best of terms, but like, you know, cousins so, such and such, like, all right, we trying to, we trying to live, we trying to do our thing. We, we cool. So how do we, make it happen just because y'all didn't make it happen that don't mean that we can't make it happen so it's like all right somebody got to make it happen and so i take on that responsibility and i'm looking at i'm looking at the future in that manner of laying that foundation of a of generational wealth for 20 40 years down the line of my my kids getting married and then them having kids and now i got grandkids what what do they have you know i know all this stuff i got all this knowledge what do i have to show for it 
you know? Yeah. And so and that, and that's that, that's the way I process it. I appreciate that too. I appreciate how um I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with part, parts of my life that echo the sentiments of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that come is dubious. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy training dogs for a long time after between you know in college and after college. And I got really good at it. Mm-hmm. And after I kept one of the dogs, dubious was the dog that I kept. Didn't have to have a special box, a special month, because also my bad. Go ahead. No, no, okay. Dubious is such a great example of that because once I once I had him, I really didn't care about like the the community dogs. I cared about mm-hmm. my dog and made sure that my dog was like well trained and that he was well, you know, he he was well socialized and he could do whatever the whatever I needed him to do. And mm-hmm. I stopped really thinking about the community at large. And it is it's interesting to hear you say I'm thinking about my family 20, 40 years down the line. And I heard Ye say the same thing in, in his, he, you know, it actually has a song on Donda. It's like, I, I do this for my kids. So when my kids, kids, kids have kids, you know, whatever, whatever the next bar is. And I get mm. that. How, and it's, it, it's, it, in my mind is like, oh, okay, so you can understand kind of how like white people do that too. You can understand how any group of people would do that, mm. right? Like, yo, I got to protect my family. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm doing this for my family. And there isn't that social responsibility of living in a civilization that's considered. I think about Fred Hampton and how his story went that I, I, I wonder if he wanted to have a child because he wanted to dedicate himself to his cause, right? And even after the child, in that movie, uh, something Judas or something like Judas that? Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that he and his he and his his woman had a common interest, and that's where they met. That's where they fell in love. That's where they mm-hmm. had a child. He didn't stop thinking about the community and start thinking about his family. He mm-hmm. he kept thinking about the community, and that n- could quite possibly have been the reason he was taken from his family. Um, and that is such a, that's such a, such a choice to make. Right. And I don't, I don't Mm. know if many of us make that choice consciously, or if we really do weigh the weigh the, the, the outcome of us thinking about more than us Mm. generationally, but I'm coming from a person that doesn't have the next generation relying on him. And I wonder, was was that change in mindset community based? Was that something that you know just kind of like clicked on in you, where you were just like, "Oh, all right, this is mine now," you know, us versus every, <laughs> us versus everybody, you know? Like, was that socially kind of like instituted in your life, or was that? Do you feel like do you feel that it was a biological imperative? Um. It's just a for me it was a, a biological imperative, as you said, bro. Like you you are respond like I'm I'm responsible. Like I brought them in this world, so now I'm responsible for their well being. Mm. You know? So yeah. because I'm because I'm responsible, um, 
and I know what this world is is built on. And I know what will happen if I haphazardly just throw my children out to the wolves, for lack of a better term. I have to prepare them. And their life and their their livelihood and just the quality of their life. Especially how it starts out. You know, I have I have a great influence on that. And so, you know, I don't I don't make money and and learn all this stuff just for me so what what am i doing it for because if it's just for me i mean i'm gonna be gone and right right 60, I'm kids years. Just for me. yeah so like if i mean and that's and that's how the world continues like that's why the world goes in the direction that it goes because people are doing things for their future generations like you know what I mean? Like Harriet Tubman and him, like all of our all of the ancestors that was enslaved and they was fighting against slavery or those that were fighting against Jim Crow and the civil rights. Like, you know, like you said, Fred Hampton and Martin Luther King, like Martin Luther King knew that he was going to get killed. He knew that. You know, like Malcolm X, he knew he was going to get killed. He knew, he knew he, FBI hollering at you all the time, like you seeing people get picked off left and right. I mean, you've seen what happened. They know what happened to the girls in in Alabama at the church. They know what happened to Mega Evers. He got shot in his driveway. Like they know that death was knocking on their door if they keep talking that talk. They knew that, but they was willing to die for it. That was the era that they was in. And they had, they had children, but they knew. They knew, bro. So fortunately, we don't live in that era where we you know, to be a leader is like you got the KKK and the FBI and everybody else trying to take you out all at once. and You don't have no protection. But it's, it's we're not in that era. But now we're in the era of, you know, they're trying to economically snuff us out. Right, right. You know, the the average net worth of a black family is trending towards zero by the by the year 2053. And that was a report that was released in 2016, 2017. And so you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're trying to make us obsolete and, and black labor is going to be mostly obsolete, you know, when automation comes through. Unskilled and, labor. I don't yeah. think I think that's unskilled labor more than, and that's lack of education. Or yeah. But the, but the unskilled labor, you know, the, uh, the, uh, what, what are the, the frontline workers and all that? Like that's mostly non-white people yeah. or, and, or just poor people, or it's, it's, it's disproportionately, non-white people people that work those jobs you know so black hispanic whatever the case might be like so that's that's a lot of our people a lot lot of our family members um you know some some friend you know everybody didn't go to college (laughs) you know what i mean everybody don't work in corporations like that so um yeah man but but the one yo in our generation the ones that didn't go to college got off the ones that got to college, or I mean, there's a small percentage of y'all that uh, finished uh, with scholarships, you know what I mean, all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. man, there is, uh, there there were plenty of alternatives, man. And that's just, that felt like a scheme. I felt like a real Ponzi scheme. And uh, yeah. I like that Joe asked Ye about that too, because if anything else, those would be the two, um, that would be one of the two most important questions. That I would ask them as like a presidential candidate, and I love how they pretended like a presidential candidate has to have all the answers himself. You know what I mean? 
Like that's what they brought. That's what they really tried to label Ye as. Like he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know any of this. He, you know, what I mean, he's this isn't this isn't this shouldn't be considered. Versus his network. You know what I mean? The people that mm-hmm. he has access to. The people that he would put a microphone to. I think that those are the people that would make establishments really uncomfortable. And the the reason why earlier I talked about how you were focused on your family and what does and what that does. And I think that that is, that is exactly what is making our world worse because at one point, okay, we understand that there is a white power structure, but I also can totally justify wanting to keep future generations of my family safe from destitution and poverty. So I understand maintaining it, even if it's subconscious, unconsciously, whatever, whatever, as long as we're thinking about our family. And I think that that is at the root of whatever power structure is, is that it's not delineated amongst people because of whatever reason, you know, like American culture and Chinese culture are about to have a war in our generation. I don't know if the actual countries will go to war, but all for one and one for all are going to go, are going to go head to head in our generation. And I think that for now, what, you know, is it all for one? Yeah. For now, all for one isn't, isn't, isn't working on a global scale. So if one, if, if we can do, if we can get a little bit closer to one for all, I think we can talk about future generations, but like future generations of our neighborhood, future generations of, my close friends or future generations of whoever graduated from X, Y, and Z school. And I think that keeping it future generations of our families supports those that support power structures. And do you think that can be taught to support other than family? You know what I mean? Like to make this a community of people versus our family or like you say do you think it's really biological it's like you know i brought this into this world i don't need to make the world better i don't need i just need to make it better for for my people if i'm making my if i'm making my people better how am i not making the world better though i mean that's that's the way that i'm looking at it like if i if i don't send out a more secure generation and i send out a more destitute generation like isn't the isn't the foundation of crime poverty poverty like yeah yeah you know what i mean so like if i if if i if i send out impoverished children that lack skills and that lack knowledge because i didn't teach them then that's my fault and i think that's what i'm asking which knowledge are you teaching them are you let's say like school right let's say school is mandatory whatever whatever are you teaching them how to play the school game or are you giving them a different education both is both okay tell me more well because they're in the game of school then they got to play by those rules but i don't tell them to internalize the school game it's it's actually it's it's great that you brought that up because it it piggybacks off of the last episode i did with my guy emmanuel solomon um we were reviewing a video. It was a lecture by Professor Baina Bello. She was talking about um, the Haitian Revolution, but she was talking about what's the difference between medicine and poison. And she was like, essentially, they're the same thing. They're similar in nature, but different in, in degree. And so she was saying, 
you know, a lot of these books that our children are forced to read are written by colonizers or a family of colonizers that have not reconciled, you know, what they've done to the non-white people in this in this country or in just in the world. And so. Yeah, you have to go to school. Yes, you have to take in that poison, but you have to take it in small doses and understand what you're taking in. And you don't fully believe and fully give over yourself to that knowledge because that knowledge is poisonous to you. It might help if, if the white people believe it, they'll be fine. But if the black people believe it, then you're going to be fucked up because your identity is going to be like, damn, I was a slave. Damn, Jim Crow, that's all we got. Man, we poor, man, we violent. Look at the black on black crime. That's all we got. And actually, bro, that leads perfectly into this clip of Kanye talking about Black Black History Month and the way that history, the narrative of, of history, of Black history in America. Um, but basically, before I get into that clip to answer your question, I'm teaching my, my kids the real. Like, I, when I talk about Black history, um, I talk about, I teach our kids about our family. Like, who are we? Who are you? You are the grandson, the great-grandson of, this is what, they did. This is what we have accomplished. Right. And then I talk about um, African history, pre transatlantic slave trade, pre genocide, pre human trafficking. What what were we doing then? Oh, and look at look at Europe. This is what was happening with them. And we were going over there teaching them, you know, about <laughs> about life, about humanity, about civilization. So this is what really happened. Now, your school is not going to teach you this. But when your school asks you who, who discovered America, you say Christopher Columbus. But when I but when I talk to him about that, I'm like, yo, he didn't he didn't discover America. There, or he, there were hundreds of millions of people in the islands and in the Americas, so-called Americas before he got there. So does that make sense that he discovered it? If there were people already there. And my son is like, no. How could you find something that somebody already somebody else already found? I said, exactly. So I'm just teaching them the truth. And the truth is going to make them better people. And so I'm not I'm not going to send out a clone into this world that is going to reaffirm the so-called system that you're talking about. Right. My, my kids, my kids are not going to add fuel to that fire. My kids are going to be living their lives counter to the system, which will bring justice, balance and correctness and all the things that you're saying that you you value. So the game is the game. Humanity is humanity. So you got to take care of somebody. And if you don't take care of nobody, then you fucking it up for everybody else. And I think that's where if, if you don't take care of, of, of anyone, yeah, then you're making it worse. Like if you if you're not fighting for me, like even your non-compliances or even your non-agreements is fighting against me. Right. So I wonder mm -hmm. because. I think of systems and I think of how as a as an immigrant. I came with a parent that trusted the system she was putting me in, trusted mm -hmm. it to be better than the system she was coming from. Mm -hmm. And she didn't give me game about how to navigate this system as a person that looks the way that I look. And she didn't put me around anyone who could have given me that game. And I wonder how, how that was missed, right? And so I was on the outside of a system that I wasn't comfortable with looking at things that were inconsistent. And I wonder what that does to us as children, because 
one thing that I think about white people get to do is be faithful almost, right? Is mm-hmm. be blindly faithful. And mm-hmm. people still aren't talking about, especially people with bigger platforms, they aren't talking about why people, why the alt-whites don't trust modern medicine or modern governance. No one's asking mm-hmm. why. People are just pointing to to the fact that we do not. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, oh, the unvaccinated, the unvaccinated are choosing this and it's ignorance, blah, blah, blah. And no one is adhering to the fact that even Bayer, you know, private corporations sent a pill or sent medicine to Central America. They knew they couldn't sell in, in America because of, you know, certain whatever, whatever. And they weren't just going to waste that product. But it's really about how I guess you're going to teach your children the behind the veil, right? And it's like, damn, they don't get to be kids as long as some of these other groups that get to kind of have trust and blind faith. Um, and that is... And that's, and that's to that group's detriment, to be honest, though. Like, white supremacy ain't going to be white supremacy forever. And it's for uh, partly because of that reason, because of the ignorance and you know, the kids like, oh, I, I could just live a free life and I could just, you know, be an adolescent until I'm 27 after I, <laughs> you know, get my master's and get my Ph.D. And then I'll be an adult. And it's just like, all right, that's cool now. You know, and this in this glory, glorious refinement stage of white it's supremacy cool for a very long time. bro. All right. I know. But it's but that time but that time is coming. That that time is coming. And it hasn't been that long. Like white people haven't been living glorious, luxurious lives for that long. Like most most folks were extremely working class. You know what I mean? Like working hard um, entrepreneurs, you know, and and then they kind of hit their their stride like 60s 70s that's when folks hit their stride but then white folks have been here you know um since the 1600s 1700s getting it out the mud no i don't want to say getting out the mud but you know they, they they were they were working hard they were working factory jobs the jobs that they're not working now and that just like immigrants work those are the jobs that they were working Sim- similar to asians like asians are living good now by and large um, they have the highest net worth for any group, racial group, but they didn't have the highest net worth when they came over here. They weren't getting jobs when they came over here. That's why there's so many laundromats and restaurants. Like they had to start their own businesses. So they came up and now they're living an easier life a hundred years later, but you've got to start somewhere. But I say all that to say the white supremacy thing. Yeah. They're, they're living good all, all around the world. And they've been doing that for the past four or 500 years. But empires rise, say, rise and fall. 2021 years, because that's what year it is, or that's what year we're told it is. Yeah, least. but they, but, but you understand the dark ages were the dark ages for a reason. Like they weren't, they weren't flourishing from, you know, from and the fall of. And it wasn't dark over the, yeah, uh, in the rest of the world either. It wasn't. I know, I, that, but I'm saying why you're, I'm talking about white supremacy. I'm not talking about like all people. So I'm saying during those dark ages in the in the, in the Middle Ages. It was white people were poor. Like Europe, Europe was t- there was nothing nice about Europe, nothing attractive about Europe. Like that, that feudal system. Like there was nothing nice about that. Most people were living in poverty, in dirt, in rags, not bathing, uh, sick. No, no sewage system. Like they were living terrible lives. 
That's I mean that's why they risked their lives to go over, to come over here because they were living Ashton a terrible Kutcher life. Is leaving that same dirty life, and I think he's doing it a lot a lot better. And they're still living that same life. Like these people have, they, they only yeah. watch when they when they see dirt. So, yeah, that's that's, that's in, different. In actuality, like that's that's the same that's the same lifestyle. Though. That's the same mentality. It never it never kind of changes. Whenever yeah, you think that you. you know level you know levels and things like no, that. No, I feel you. They 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 still kind of. Still kind of living that that nasty, sick lifestyle, you know what I mean? Of not bathing, but that's that's on them. They can be dirty and, and musty if they want to, but they can't come <laughs> in my house like that. <laughs> you know? Like it's when I say I'm the second wealthiest black man in America. Like, why do I have to say that? Because you know, obviously, if we just go on wealth period of, of what we call wealth like financial wealth that scorecard you know i'll be like i'm the i'm the 78th wealthiest man in america but we shouldn't have to have a special box a special month because also what they show in black black history month is us getting hosed down reminding us that we were slaves like what if we had remember when i cheated on you month like, remember when you first found the found the text messages? Remember, how does that make you feel? It makes you feel depleted and defeated. You know, it, it's uh, no matter what religion you are, what we can agree on is it is always now. But now is the shortest moment of our life. It's gone in an instant. The longest moments of our life are our memories and our imaginations. Think about how long a kid imagines Christmas before... I mean, versus how long Christmas really is. And when you think back to your Christmas, are you under the table like Jim Carrey and Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind, like under a chair, or are you a giant? Are you a king? Are you what Black, what, what Black History Month has told you you are? And this is me speaking to, uh, you know, Black people, specifically in America, that, you know, I know people who would, you know, kill someone in uh or have a gun or you know in in their own hood and be afraid to go downtown and literally be heavy afraid of white people that is um that is something that i i can't relate to simply because i don't have the generational angst of mm -hmm. what has happened in America specifically. And I think that is something that Africans really don't um, take into consideration whenever they mm -hmm. talk about how similar um, black and African culture is, you know, mm -hmm. or how similar of people we are. Um, I don't have a direct link to Jim Crow. I don't have a direct link to, besides being in Portland, Portland was like the first time that I really saw what that culture is like. And it really mm -hmm. bothered me, but I really didn't know that uh, you know, people. You know, I I just didn't I just didn't know the culture. So you knowing the culture, you knowing the culture generationally, you knowing the culture, or you having parents who are learning what culture is amongst, um, amongst European descendants in Oregon, moving from probably a predominantly black neighborhood to a predominantly black neighborhood, but the numbers are vastly different. Mm -hmm. It's a different it's a different experience for sure, and. Uh, like I said, I don't. I really don't think that um, Africans just don't know. Africans mm. have no idea about Medgar Evers or Le Le Overture Toussaint, for for that matter. You know what I mean? Prayers mm -hmm. to Haiti. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm sorry we didn't say that further uh, sooner, but For yo, sure. come on, man! Like this is this. Oh my gosh, Haiti, man. Pray for Haiti. I have a lot of friends that I grew up with that helped me grow up. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the best people in my life growing up have been Haitian. So I, I really am. And I guess, you know, if it's in Tunisia, if it's in Egypt, wherever it is, but just this feels like, yo, again, again, even if it wasn't in the capital, it's just like, why, why, like, leave this country alone, please, whatever is happening. So, yeah. um, you know, prayers to everyone who's going through and, and hope that, you know, this time around they actually get the aid or, you know, however many billion dollars in aid that, you know, they were supposed to get. I hope he gets there this time. For sure. And it's in the funnel, man. Um, that's that immigrant experience, man. It's 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 a whole different beast. It really is, especially when you get put in the middle of a of a black and white war, you know, and mm-hmm. then you get you get treated better than man. It's such a it's such a complex thing. Yo. It really, really is. Yo. It's such a divisive uh cultural experience because of uh, I guess modern media and lack of education outside of that media man do you think do you think your parents or their generation is getting more news and opinions outside of traditional news media i.e. TV or newspaper no not at all I mean they're like literally this experience of um you know that pipe bursting in our house and us being out of the house for four months and staying with my parents um man my parents watch good morning america every morning every morning um isn't that 6 a.m well it's on it's on from like 6 to 10 or 6 to 9 or something like that so uh, whenever i come downstairs it's, it's on when i'm eating breakfast they they watching it you know what i mean and then in the evenings from time to time, if my dad ain't watching some sports or sports center, he watching CNN. So, you know, they're not, you know, the older generation, they trust those so-called trusted sources, you know, those big names. That's what they was raised on. And that's what they're can do. Like that's, that's just conducive to their generation, to their understanding. And they're not in, they're not on the internet like that. So they want to know, what do these familiar faces have to say about what's going on in America? These trusted and sources. These trusted sources, bro. You know what? What, what the New York Times say? What? What? What, what they said on uh, CBS Nightly News? Whatever. I mean, whoever's I believe it until I won't believe until CBS says it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's so they're not getting no no new information. Um, but but kind of to go back to what Kanye was talking about like that, that complex that black history month can create in folks. And so much so that he was talking about at the end of that clip where, you know, he knows dudes that will, you know, they, they killers, they gangbangers, but they scared to go downtown and they scared of white folks. Mm-hmm. Even though if they go downtown, all the white folks are scared of them. Right, you know right. what I mean? So it's just it's it's amazing the perception that is planted in everyone's mind to fear each other. And like you said, you being an immigrant, you kind of being in the middle. And I was I just wanted to say while you were saying it, but I didn't want to cut you off. But like, welcome to America. Like America <laughs> is the breeding ground of that divide and conquer mentality. You know what I mean? Like that that racial just like that division. 
Like everybody has to be labeled. Everyone has to be divided up. We can't just be one. They can't just be off for one. Who who you rep? Who reps you? Yeah, that's it. Like you have to. You're a part of a gang, and you can only be a part of that gang unless we say you you can do it. Mm. And anything else outside of that, like no, that's that we don't approve that. You're a identity extremist. You're a black supremacist. You're a uh, a terrorist group. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like any group that's not approved by the white supremacist power structure is an extremist and they will be taken out and that's why black folks are scared of white people because they know what i mean they they know what happened to fred hampton they know what happened to mlk you know what happened to maker evers they know what happened to so on and so forth sada shakur eldridge clear like everybody political prisoners you know what i mean h rap brown kwame tori like all the everybody all of our heroes got killed or locked up or or exiled yes, and so now it's like, damn, I can't even really go at white folks like that. But if I go at my own people, because we all poor, I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to come up. You know what I mean? So if I can, I can terrorize my own people and actually kind of get away with it though. So I'm going to just do that because I can't really go at the real enemy. You know what I mean? So. And it's all in the education as well, right? It's all. Yeah. It's the all the, the education will make you think like, well, I, ain't, I didn't, I came from nothing. So I ain't going to be nothing. So I might as well just. X, Y, and Z. It is, it's a very sophisticated system that I think just has a lot of years to, you know what I mean? Like to maintain itself and to transform and to develop into whatever, whatever. And it has, and it has dealings in like that Roman structure as well. And that Mm -hmm. if you pay entertainers a lot of money, a lot more money than the commoners and threaten them with the, with the, with the life of living outside of the castle, like in that feudal system that you were talking about, Mm-hmm. That's what politicians are. That's what celebrities are. Like all of this is, all of this is just to maintain. And I think it goes, uh, it's funny because I still, I remember the first video I heard about, it was this dude that broke and it was YouTube. It was like at least 10 years ago, at least 10, maybe 15 years ago, where he was talking about Jay-Z and the Illuminati. And I was like, oh, what? God. Yeah, I remember what? that. You remember that was that? an era. Like, Hey, that was an error, bro. Bro, bro. <laughs> bro, I really think that that was a socially conscious thing. I think that that was, I don't, I don't think that was engineered. I think that blossomed and just spread like wildfire. It had nothing it to do did. with Jay-Z. It had nothing to do with any of that other stuff. It just had to do with like seeing what's on the other side. Like what mm-hmm. could be possible, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you're not 50% accurate, how could Professor Griff talk about like, connect how Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, how all these people lost somebody, uh, Jennifer Hudson, um, and have been, you know, more or less secure in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a topic for another, for another, I, I don't want to, I don't want to drift too far. No, we not, we not going down that path today. No, no, we no, not no, doing no that not there, not there. I think that we talked about it last time. Uh, oh, no, an honorable mention for sure is, this is where I, f- I feel Kanye in his fight because at 4650, he says, I'm not thin too. And then he was like, I'm not thin too. And I was like, yo, I appreciate that because his mother was an English teacher overseas. This man lived with an English teacher. He knows how to speak, right? Mm-hmm. He knows how mm-hmm. to enunciate. He knows what verbiage to use, whatever, whatever. But he also is making a concerted effort to include the culture in which he's a part of. 
And I think those are his signs of really trying to say, like, I'm not trying to be y'all. I'm just trying to hold on to whatever I grew up in. It's like somebody moving from from Africa, from an African country, but still keeping their accent, even though they've been in the in America for like 25 years or something like that. Word, they still word. have a really heavy accent. And it's just like, yo, those are just, those are things that you you keep because of, you know, identity or whatever it is to say, like, I'm not y'all. I'm I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, don't treat me this way. And I think that people really look over things, just little things like that. People really look over this person's really real dedication to wanting, you know, to be not only a representative, but like a part of a culture that he values so much beyond music, beyond style, beyond money, beyond the American dream, whatever, whatever. He's just like, yo, I just want to be accurate to that part of my upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's man people, people that that's lost and, and that's like he's being uh, true to his authentic like, self come on man like, imagine you know, having a parent that's like i want to say one thing just bring up a line that he said in, in donda he man, said i completely forgot he was here bro i was like yo are you playing another recording i was like yo what i was like whose voice is it yo it took me a full three or four seconds to realize who it was man speak on Tevin tavares has entered the chat like, yeah, I just want to say there was a very there was a there was a line that stuck out to me in the Donda listening segments. Um, although I hope you get to go to the one in Chicago. Um, Thank you, sir. But he said, "Every day I put my life on the line to defeat the whole clan." Mm. Just wanted mm-hmm. to get y'all thoughts on that because I thought that was a very deep line. That even though we judge Kanye for everything, but it's like. In reality, man, like he really is, whether he's going against the Kardashians and the Jenners and calling Chris out and meeting with Trump and doing all that. It's just like he does. He's the one person I know that, bro, he will put his life on the line like he not I don't want to say that in a literal sense, but he does not care if people hate him, judge him. He will put his whole he will if he does anything, he'll put his all into it. And that's the one thing I will say I respect about that man is he does put his whole life on the line, bro. And I guess the clan is society. You know what I mean? Society, mm-hmm. society is the clan. Society is what you guys were just talking about. Like, you know, like, yo, this is America. You know what I mean? America is there's black people who rep that this is America. You know what I'm saying? So it's just it's deeper than rap when he says I put my whole life to defeat the whole clan. It's just like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, bro, we're so used to one train of thought, and then when Gay says something that seems outlandish, but it doesn't, it's not really outlandish if you think about it, you know, we, we backlash him, you know what I mean? So, I think... And bro- sometimes I don't think it's our voice, man. I don't think that... I I really, truly wonder, whenever something goes viral and whenever people are, are responding to it, how engineered that particular voice is. You know what I mean? Because the people that I talk to, the people that I'm sure many of us talk to, our circles, hopefully, are looking at canceling him first, but then starting like, yo, I have to know more. What is this clip about? What is he crying over, you know, his daughter for? Slavery is a choice. Are we going to ignore the fact that he literally put all his contracts on Twitter? Which Which I'm sure his lawyer team was like, yo, do not do that. I'm sure so many people were like, yo, this is not going to work in your favor. But I think he did that because I've never seen a contract. I've never seen a lifetime contract before. This is somebody who, believe it or not, is this is I think Kanye is as similar to like the evolution of Pac as we would have seen. 
you know? Mm. Like, he, he turned that corner. Pac was getting a little bit more serious and a little bit more, uh, I don't know, a little less angry, maybe a little bit more focused, right? Um, Malcolm was the same thing before he kind of went off the rails or, or got desperate. But I think that we're seeing that actualized. We're seeing that real life. We're seeing somebody. What What did he say in uh in that in that, my beautiful dark? If they if they they'll try to they'll try to they'll try to snap me or snatch me if they ever see a black me, right? As long as they as long as I'm popping a polo, they think it got me. But they'll try to whatever me if they ever see a black me. I'm I'm, I'm butchering that line, but he has another line in uh in a song that he didn't release on Jesus, where he says, change if you can move a country and that peace don't cost no money. And that's the stuff you, that's, I mean, that's not what we are learning right now. You know, it, it really is a, it's a very, very small thing that is gonna make a, a big ripple. And like, imagine just more black people saying, all right, let's go buy uh, space in Wyoming. All right, let's just gentrify Wyoming or, or ungentrify or whatever you call it. You know, I just wonder about just following somebody that isn't popular. Kind uh Malcolm talked to us about that too, yo. And that's another reason why I pay a lot of attention to to Ye, because he is not popular. He is not loved by this system. Um, and he's still able to make these moves, man. Like I it's chestnut checkers, man. Like it really, really is, yo. This feels like some Ender's game Orson Scott Card type of movie. And I, I can't like talk to it about people because people don't really see the the three dimensionality of like whatever this game is. It's so deep. Like think about the movie, the music industry real quick, right? People are pissed that Kanye hasn't released an album yet, right? People are really upset about that. But who's hurting more? Universal or the fans? Who's hurting more? You get what I mean? When Universal is making all these side deals with Apple and making all these deals with Blockbuster, or not Blockbuster, Best Buy or whatever, to, yo, hold this space for me. Yo, make sure that, you know what, we're going to reserve this amount of blah, blah, blah for this. We're going to reserve this front page. We're going to pay $20,000 for this front page, for this, for that. And then he doesn't release it. That's a big F you to the system. And yeah. I think that's the game he's playing right now. Not to mention, those of us that care about the music, guess what? We have the music. <laughs> we already have it. You know what I'm saying? As far as I'm concerned, he's already dropped an album. And I got an HQ version of that album, which I'm terribly grateful for, that I've been playing on repeat. Wait, is so, that the one that I have, yo? Yo, man, why are you, why are you out of yourself like that, man? Relax. Man. Allegedly. Allegedly, bro. Allegedly. Look, he wanted that. Look, he wanted that nod so bad. Look. <laughs> Nah, but I mean, right. I mean, but I mean, well, the one thing that I that I will say is like that I'm really happy for is you can see like, and can we point out that this man hasn't said a word in a year? Yo, Twitter has been dead, man. Like, like, no, nah, I mean, it's just like he hasn't said anything. Like, I think people are forgetting that that he hasn't said anything in a year. Like, he's been doing all this and has yet to spoke a word. And has yet to show his face. Mm. Hmm. That's another reason I don't trust you know, one, these, one uh, thing these I album reviews because it hasn't been on his Twitter yet. Go he, ahead. He pumped. He pumped a uh, Sunday service, but he didn't bump. He didn't pump this. So I was like, I was skeptical. Go ahead. Yeah, well, one thing I think about with uh, what Kanye is doing, 
it's like it's it's beautiful to watch because he he says all the things in public that he shouldn't say kind of like what you said over like releasing his um his contracts on like he does all the things that shouldn't be done but he does it which opens him up to be scrutinized the way that he is and but huh i said and trump and that's what that's what he was attracted to oh yeah exactly yeah just 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 kind of speaking your mind and doing what you want to do but also kanye <laughs> the funny thing about kanye like he he has to go through it because that's him and it's, it's his movie and it's his mind and it's the way that he processes information and so this is how his journey has to play out but the beautiful thing is if we're paying close attention you know, we can do it this way. We can do it the Kanye way or we can do it the Jay-Z way. Now, Jay-Z has done all the things that Kanye is trying to do. Jay-Z has already figured out how to maneuver around it. Jay-Z has the social mastery to be able to do it. And he's done it in a more efficient and quiet way. Right. So when Jay-Z was trying to get his masters and he known that he was getting fucked, it wasn't like, damn, I got to like cause a big ruckus and cause a scene to get people on my side. Jay-Z was like chestnut checkers. So Jay-Z was like, OK, I'm going to um, break away from Rockefeller and I'm going to become the CEO of Def Jam because Def Jam has half of Rockefeller's masters or whatever. So now I'm going to get my math or actually all of his albums were assigned to Def Jam. And the only album that was really with Rockefeller 100 percent was Reasonable Doubt. So then when he becomes CEO of Def Jam, that's the, the beginning of him getting his masters back. And that's why him and Dame, Dame Dash is having this issue over um, the this portion of Rockefeller. Exactly. But so so Jay-Z did all that. Now, when Kanye is trying to get his masters, he's going the vocal route like he wants to show the public wants to get the people on his side. And that's that's just another way of doing it. You know what I mean? And which that's the which, artist again, the hustler. It's exactly, exactly, bro. And so it's just it's amazing to see their journeys to a billion. And there's just so many different ways you can go about it. Um, and you can. But there's there's a scrutiny that Jay-Z gets because Jay-Z is blatantly playing the game. So, the you know, the, the deal that he made with the NFL, like that's scrutinized. But shit, he he's playing the game. Right. The him him selling portions of title to uh, to square so that he can get a seat at the table at square and be like on the board or whatever he got, whatever the deal was. You know what I mean? Like all the things that Kanye wants to he wants to be on the board at Gap. So he wants to tell everybody, expose all these people and say, you know, y'all racist, y'all this, that and the other. But Jay-Z is like, all right, I'm going to just create this company, build up this equity in this company and then sell it. And now I'm going to get my seat at the table and I got my money and you know what I mean? And nobody really knew what I was doing until I did it. You know, so it's just it's it's amazing to see their journeys and see what they want. They want similar things, want similar outcomes, and they just go about it in different ways. Well, yeah, that's that's the creative versus the business, man. You, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like Kanye is not a businessman. He had. Yes, he it, you can. Yes, he still is a businessman. He has qualified as you know he is a billionaire right so therefore yes. he's a businessman but jay-z has mm-hmm. said i'm a businessman like he is a business kanye is a creator he's an artist 
Yeah. Can we talk about instead of putting them against each other? Let, let's talk about that last verse, man. Like, let's talk about how Yay, you know, how Hove really said, told Yay, stop all that red cap. We going home. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's talk about it. You feel me? Like, that was a powerful moment. I remember watching the Donda show and I was like, yo, imagine being in Atlanta. And you hear this song about Kim K saying, guess who's going to jail tonight? Guess single, the single life ain't so bad. Then you just hear Hove jump on it. You know what I'm saying? And he, and it's kind of like that, that resurgence where it's like, I, I bro, like, I, I really think this is a new Kanye. Like this is, he got Jay-Z back. If Jay-Z is messing, that's what I always tell people. I'm like, if Jay-Z can forgive Kanye, then so can we, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think that there was just so much power in what Jay-Z said, where he said, bro, like, told, yay, stop all that red cat, man. We coming home, man. We coming home. My, my nigga's mm-hmm. back. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he back. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just like, bro, I just see, bro, he lost weight. You know what I'm saying? Like, he back on his fitness shit. He hasn't said a word. It looks like he's just focused. And now that Jay-Z's back in his corner, bro, I think, bro, like, honestly, bro, I think, oh, but I know you went to the church thing, but I, I think, bro, like, ugh, shit, bro, Donda might be top five Yay album, bro. Mm. I'm, I'm going to be honest, y'all. I haven't even listened to that song. Like, bro, I, I'm i I'm caught up in, like, the first 12 tracks, and I just stay right there. Stay for real, for real, isn't it? It's hard to get past. It's really, really hard to get past uh, Donda. Donda. Bro, Donda. you would agree, right? This is definitely going to be top five, if not maybe the best one. Uh, yo, I'm going to. I'm not. I'm not going to say that because uh, not the best, Tim. Not the best. I, mean, yo, I, mean, I don't want to say the best. Here we go, strapping we up. Never forget all the memories Sitting I sit by my cup